You could be seated here today. As you're seated, if you could turn to the person beside you and tell them, if you know, and I know not everybody will know this, but had you been uh, born of the other gender, what would your name have been? They may know what your name is now, but do you know what you might have been called? I know you had other names that were picked out, all these other things. Somebody know? You might have had a different name, but God saw fit that you are who you are. Amen. God knew just who you would be. But names are a unique thing. Names, they tell, they can uh, tell a lot about who you are. Names are important, especially in the day in, in the day of Jacob, who we just read of in the time of the scriptures, as we read them, names tell a big story. It's not quite what it is today where uh, you may just name somebody just because you like the name, but names they carried within themselves an identity. No, this question was asked of this of by the man who was wrestling with Jacob, who was a theophany of God, this angel, was wrestling with Jacob. And he asked him, what is your name? And that's a good question to ask, because not because he didn't know Jacob's name, but rather he was asking Jacob to identify who he was. How do you identify yourself? You know, I've, I've often thought it peculiar that people would choose names for their children that have a negative meaning. A name that when you hear it, you it's something that would repel you. And yet, according to Social Security Administration's database of baby names, there were at least 23 parents in the United States who in 2021 named their child Judas. I don't know why you would do that to your child. There were 33 of them who named their child Nero, who was just an awful, awful emperor. There were 15 that named their daughter Jezebel. Just a terrible, terrible name to have. You know, my wife and I, right now, we are in the midst of the name-choosing process ourselves. And I'm not going to tell you necessarily what the top of our list is, we still haven't narrowed it quite down, except for one member of our family who has narrowed the baby's name down, and every time that you ask Langston what the baby's name is, it's going to be King Fatty Fat. I promise you that's not going to be what it is. (laughs) But maybe now I just labeled him with something that (laughs) will be called. But that name-choosing process, it's, you know, there's, I can tell you that there are names that we have not considered. We have not considered Nero or Judas. And, I mean, my goodness, we're throwing out names of people who annoy us. Just, you know, we don't want to think about them. So, I mean, especially a name that everybody's going to think negatively about. We don't think of naming our child that. So why a child would, or why a parent would give their child a name that would bring disgrace upon them is beyond me. And yet, here we have Jacob. Jacob. What does it mean? Jacob means supplanter. 
deceiver, heel grabber. That last one's kind of odd. And perhaps that's the reason that he got his name was because he was a heel grabber. But why would you wish that name upon a child? To have that reputation go before you almost seems cruel. And I know there's maybe we even have a Jacob with us today, but it doesn't necessarily carry, carry the same meaning or the same uh, significance as, as it would have at that time when names meant so much. Everybody knew what the names meant. Seems obvious that Rebecca, at least seems obvious to me, Rebecca did not have names chosen for her children when they were born or before they were born because it was this uh, reaction. As soon as she saw her child, I'm going to name him that. She sees her first child born and never was there a baby born that was more hairy and more red than him. So she names him Esau, which means red and hairy. And then just as Esau came out, his twin brother does something that's a little unusual. He sticks his hand out and he grabs a hold of his brother's heel. So again, Rebecca, who was just living in the moment, says, let's name him heel grabber. Never mind that when someone is referred to as a heel grabber, that means that they're a deceiver. They're a supplanter. It's someone who will set traps for others to fall into and take advantage of them. And the problem with naming your child something like deceiver is that he may just live up to his name. And that's exactly what Jacob did. He lived up to his name. You see, here he was not having chosen his own name, but uh, maybe if a name, you know, that was a little nicer, maybe he would have lived up to that name, you know, a name that was something like Israel. That's a name to live up to. But he wasn't born with that name. He was born with Jacob. He was born with this name Jacob. And like Jacob, meaning deceiver, he lived up to his name that when Esau was in a moment of despair and he was losing his birthright and his blessing, he yelled out, this is in Genesis 27, 36, this is what Esau said. He said, is not he rightly named Jacob? He has supplanted me these two times. He's living up to his name. He said, I've, I've had to call him deceiver my whole life. And I'm telling you that name fits him perfectly. He's a deceiver. See, it's just odd to me that a parent would ever name their child something that would carry with it this reputation. Especially in this context of the Old Testament. But yet, you have all of these instances of somebody who is named something with a negative connotation. See, these names in the Old Testament, as I said, they carried with them the identity of who they were. Ezekiel, this name, means God gives strength. That provides a great identity for a child. A name like Joshua means the Lord is my salvation. Or Seth means the appointed one. Hannah is grace or Samuel is told by God. These are great names. These names, they provide a clear identity that's wrapped around a future with God. Yet, here stands Jacob. Deceiver. See, it's interesting to look into the naming trends that have taken place throughout history. And we're all aware of the trends in, in naming a child, you know, all these things. And, and the fact that you have uh, patronymic 
names, I know it's a big word, but it just means that you got your name from your father. And perhaps there's someone here today who is a junior. Do I have any juniors here? Okay. Got a couple juniors in the house. That is a sort of a patronymic name. Uh, the Bible would not call uh, individuals junior in that day. That's not how they would name them after their father, but rather uh, they would have Ben or they would have Bar. Uh, as part of their name, these these names, just as, such as Simon Bar Jonah, is Simon the son of Jonah. Bar meaning son of. You have Ben Oni, uh, meaning uh, the son of Oni. Benjamin is uh, the son of. Well, he's not the son of Jamin. I don't know why that is. Uh, Bartholomew, though Bartholomew, you have this name Bartimaeus or Bar- Barabbas. All of these are patronymic names, and Simon. Barjona, this is this name that was of Peter, meaning Simon, uh, the son of Jonah, Bar, uh, Benoni. Uh, he was the name of, uh, that was the name that Rachel wanted to name her second child as she was bleeding out. And Benoni is this name that, uh, it, it means that he is the son of my distress, the son of my sorrow. Benjamin, this is why it is, if I would remember, Benjamin is the son of my right hand. This is the son that is of strength. He is the one who it is. Bartholomew is the secondary name of the disciple Nathaniel. That means the son of Ptolemy. Bartimaeus is the son of the blind beggar, or he is the, the blind beggar who is on the side of the road. It means the son of Timaeus. But he didn't even have an identity for himself. He was simply the son of Timaeus. You have Barabbas, who that name itself may stick out to you as the one who was released. He was the murderer, the one who was released instead of Jesus when Jesus was crucified. Now, Abbas means father. His name simply means son of a father. (laughs) It's believed that he was very likely a, an illegitimate child. His mother, an outcast from society. She slept around. She didn't even know who the father of her child was. He was simply Barabbas, the son of a father. Hmm. And why am I telling you all of this? Why, why do we go into all these names? What does it matter that Rebecca named her child Jacob and then he went on to become a deceiver? And, and why, why should I be concerned about Bartimaeus who didn't, he didn't really even have a name, simply the, the son of Timaeus or Barabbas, the son of a father? See, you should, you should be concerned about this today because you have a name yourself. And I'm not talking about the name that your parents gave you. But you have a name. Your name is the identity that you carry. You have an identity today that has been shaped and others know who you are based on who you have been. The identity that's been forged for you. And there's so many people who are here today who you have that in the same way that others have received their name from their father. You received a name from your heritage that came before you. That your parents and your grandparents, that they they were always the, the drunkard. Or they were always the ones who who were just living in poverty and, and, and here's, here you are born and, and you have the same identity because that's what you were born into. 
Or maybe it's, it's you and, and, and your, your parents were successful and you're born into success and that's expected of you. That's your identity. That you need to be successful. You need to be the one who's chasing after every opportunity that comes your way because money free, or money is success and, and that's who you are. That's your identity. You, you can have a name that's been passed on to you, an identity that's been passed on to you. And here's, here's the thing is that, that your identity can trap you. And you can even have your own past. Maybe it's not something that's been passed down to you, but your own identity that's been forged. And today you're standing here and with an identity that you hate. You look in the mirror and you say, how can I How can I break this? Here I am today. And and this is the person that I am. The person that I become. And I don't know how to become something else. I don't know how to become somebody else. Or maybe it's in you. And you're proud of your identity. But when you come face to face with your creator. The reality begins to set in that. Who you are is not who he created to be you to be. That the path that you've chosen, that the things that the things that you decided to do, the identity that you have built up for everybody to know is not really what God called you to be. It's not really what God meant for you. And God, God is trying to get a hold of you and to shake you and to say, I have a different purpose and a different plan for you. And as it begins to shake you, you, you have a choice to make. Do I just keep on going? Or Do I try to shape and forge a new identity? And here's the thing, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I believe that generational curses can be broken. I believe that there is an identity that can be shaped through struggle. There's an identity that God can give you a new identity today, that he can give you a new name, that he can break every generational curse that's been passed down, that he can break everything that you have carried on from uh, from the from your grandfather and your father, your mother, all of them, that you've become who you are today because of what they were. But God says, I see you differently you're my child. You see, there are no grandchildren of God. There's nobody who is a generation removed from God, but you are a child of God. You are the direct descendant. You are the one who he says, when you come to me, you are, you take on my name. You take on my identity. See, when Jacob wrestled with a man that night, who was, who was this angel, this theophany, his life was forever changed. And God asked him this question. He said, what is your name? He's asking him, what is your identity today? See, God knew what Jacob's name was, but he wanted Jacob to say it out loud. He wanted him to say, I'm the deceiver. I've lived up to it. My mother named me deceiver. And when I was born, and that's exactly what I've been my whole life. But in one moment... God says, that's not your name any longer. You have wrestled with me until the break of day. You got into my presence and you would not let go. Here you are. You're struggling. And what I want you to know is that in this wrestling match that took place before you were Jacob, before you come back and Jacob, he's getting ready to see his brother Esau for the first time in 20 years. He says, I want you to know that you are not who you used to be. You used to want to kill your brother and your brother wanted to kill you, but you're not who you used to be. As you've been wrestling with me all night, the, the, 
These thoughts are coming up in your minds about who am I? You are wrestling. This is the reason I came tonight. The angels. The reason that that angel, that theophany came to him is because Jacob was there all alone. He's wrestling with the fact of meeting his brother on the, on the daybreak. He's wondering, who am I? Who am I? In that wrestling match, God was saying to him, you're no longer going to be a deceiver. Don't let anyone call you Jacob anymore because your name is Israel, the prince of God. I believe without a shadow of a doubt here today that God wants to change somebody's name, that God, he wants to change somebody's identity today, that you don't have to be the person that you came in here. If you're a deceiver, God can change you into a prince. If you are the person who you've always lied to get your way out of things, God says that you can walk out of here with an honest tongue. That if you walked in here and you felt like you had no future and you felt like there was nothing that was in store for you, God God says that you have everything in my in, in my tool house, that you have everything in this storehouse. It's yours, that you are my child. You have a new identity that can be forged in just a moment, but it takes wrestling. It takes a moment of intimacy with God. It takes a, an, an, an interaction with God where you don't give up. See, it didn't come easy. The new name didn't come easy for Jacob, but it came with a wrestling match. It came with him saying, God, whatever you have for me, I need it. I want it. See, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God wants to do that in you. Revelation 21 verse 5 says, behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. If you have been washed in the waters of baptism and you have taken on his name, then you are a new creation today. If you have never been baptized today, let me just tell you what baptism can do. Baptism, it washes away your sins. It is not simply a public declaration of saying, God, I will follow you. It's not just you saying, I'm joining a church. Baptism is for salvation. He said, the scripture says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That is out of the mouth of Jesus. Jesus Christ himself, he in obedience was baptized so that we could follow after the same pattern that he did. We see in the book of Acts that the that when they said, what must we do to be saved? That Peter stood up and said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. For the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you today stand here and you want to get your life turned around, let me tell you that step number one is to repent. Step number one is to make up in your mind. That's what, that's all repent means. It's, it's to make up in your mind to say that the way that I've been living is not how I want to live anymore. It's a decision that you make. There's, there's emotions that are attached to that. There's, there's, uh, you know, in our intellect, the things that we, that we make up in our mind to say, I'm not going to do this. I've tried it my way long enough, but I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to go God's way. That's repentance. It's not simply saying, I'm sorry. Although, let's say you're sorry too, because sorrow, godly sorrow worketh repentance. Godly sorrow is necessary. 
But repentance leads to baptism. And if you have never been baptized today, let me, don't, don't leave here without being baptized in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, that is what carries with it the power to forgive your sins. That, that's what carries with it the authority to wash away your past. You cannot enter into heaven without being baptized in Jesus' name. You cannot enter into heaven without going down into the waters and coming back out. And you are a new person when that happens. When I say new person, it means that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. This isn't... This would be really cheap words if it was just me saying it. But this is the word of God that says, it's, it's the words of Jesus that say that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. It's Mark, if you, if you want to go there, it's in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Scripture that I keep quoting. He that believeth and is baptized and is baptized. Now it doesn't end there because God has a promise for you. That God has a promise for you that in your whole, that in your, your whole being, you can be transformed. He can fill you with His Spirit. He will fill you with His Spirit. It's a promise from above. It's a promise from God that He wants to completely transform you. Well, see, that affects you and every, every person or every part of who you are. We are mind, soul, spirit. We, I'm sorry, we are body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. In our body, you go down in obedience and baptism. Your body is physically plunged under the, under the, the, the water and it comes back up. Your body is affected by the new birth. Your spirit is affected by the new birth when his spirit comes in and it fills you, uh, fills you up. Your mind, it is affected. Your soul, that is, that is this, uh, that this intellect, this, this decision that you make to say that I will repent. Every part of you is affected by salvation. If you have not done this today, let me tell you, let's get this taken care of. You didn't have to come in you. You didn't have to wake up today already having made up in your mind that I'm going to get baptized. See, it's more than just getting wet. It's more than just going down and saying, I'm joining the church. This is necessary for salvation. I know I'm preaching it straight today, but it is necessary. So why leave why, why not be like the man who was in the chariot when, uh, when Philip met him on the road? And Philip begins giving him a Bible study about who Jesus is. And they eventually get to a place of water. And the man in the chariot says, what is stopping me from being baptized right now? What's stopping me? The water is here. Nothing is stopping you. See, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait any longer. You could be baptized today for the remission of your sins. Amen. See, why does this all, why why am I going on this when we're talking about a new name? It's because it's a new identity that you take on. It's a new name that you take on when you are baptized. You have a choice today. You have a choice today. Either God is going to rename you. Or the world is going to rename you. Don't give Satan an opportunity to give you a new name. See, you are not of this world. 
Yeah, you're taking up residency right now, because you're, but you're just passing through. This is not my home, and this is not your home. Either God is going to rename you, or Satan's going to rename you. The name is synonymous with your passions, your interests, your identity, who you are. See, Jacob was wrestling with God, and he would not let go until God blessed him. The last thing that Jacob had stolen from his brother through deception was his father's blessing. The blessing that he had received from his father was the spiritual equivalent of the birthright inheritance. Both of these were supposed to be passed on to his older twin brother Esau. But he, as a deceiver, stole them. But if he could receive a blessing from God, you can't steal something from God. It has to be given. He no longer has to deal with the guilt of his past. He knew that he wasn't a deceiver anymore, but he still held the guilt of who he used to be. He could never get rid of that as long as he had stolen the birthright and stolen this blessing from his father. This is part of his identity. But when he got into the presence of God, something changed in him. He received this new name and received this new relationship with God. In fact, if our musicians could come, I'm going to draw to a close here soon. But it's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. It says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. The Spirit's speaking to the church and says, to him that will overcome, I'm going to give him the hidden manna. I'm going to give him the white stone. And in that stone, there's a new name that's written down. No man knoweth that name, saving he who received it. It's this new name that no man knows Except he who receives it. It's a name that's just between you and God. But when a couple, you see, when a couple, when they start dating, they develop secret names for each other. No one else may understand, you know, why it is that you call them that, but they do. Certainly wouldn't call anybody else by those names. It's intimate. It's just between you and them. See, God has a name for you here today. That it's a name that it's just you and him. I'm talking about your identity. The areas inside of you. Nobody else realizes that this part of you has just been wrecked with guilt. This part of you in your past, it's just shaped this, this thing in your mind of who you actually are. And you feel like you never measure up. You feel like you're never good enough. But what God is saying today is that identity, I want to give you a brand new start to let you know that I love you and that I died for you and I want to give you a new identity to walk in freedom. That you don't have to walk with shame. That you don't have to walk with guilt. That you don't have to walk with all the things in your past that you know about. The things that you're carrying around. That you feel dirty. You feel less than. You feel like you don't measure up. God says, you measure up in my book. Not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done. And I've come to set you free from all of that. So why don't we stand all around this place? We've already had so much incredible ministry that's been happening all around this building and this altar area and God's been speaking. But God wants to finalize some things in somebody today. God wants to solidify some things in somebody today. 
and and to today as I said you don't have you didn't have to walk in or you didn't have to wake up this morning with it on your mind that I'm going to be baptized but if God's been speaking to you speaking to you during this service don't shut that voice out don't let anything stop you we never know what tomorrow holds never know what is coming here tonight never know even tomorrow no matter what maybe you have 50, 60, 70 years left in your life you still have that same identity until you've been baptized in his name and you've taken on a new name taken on a new identity and with that new identity comes freedom with that new identity comes you become so light the weight of this world the weights that the, the things that, that you've done in your past they don't have to define you anymore others will try to make them define you but you know God set me free so if, if you want to be baptized today and you came with somebody why don't you just tell them I think I want to do this I think I'm ready we have some we have the waters ready up here. We have robes. We have we're, we're ready so that you can be baptized. If you didn't come with anybody today, that's all right. You don't have to turn to somebody you know, but you can come right on right on up and, and we're going to start we're going to start just by inviting everybody up who wants to come and just to pray. And you can come in a prayer of repentance. And that prayer of repentance is just starting to say, "God, here I am." And I'm ready to I'm ready to stop living my own way. I'm ready to start living your way. It's that prayer of repentance that when you're done, whenever you're done repenting, if you want to just come and find me, I'll be right down here at the altar. Come right down and find me. And we can, you can leave this place with a new name, a new identity. I just want to invite everybody, any, anybody to come right now, and you can just pray up here at the altar. When he knows your name, he has a new name. It's waiting for you today.